That song, um, I got a confession. It, I feel like, and I don't want to be irreverent with what I'm about to say, that song gets, it, it's, it messes with me, and I sound like I'm going through puberty because I try to go up so high, if that makes any sense. You know, standing, and I, it doesn't work for me very well. But, but that's, why you don't that's what. So, Heidi, for those of you who don't know, Heidi's my daughter, and um, she's now up for adoption. And, uh, but as Heidi pointed out, uh, during this renovation, when everything was out of here pretty much, we took it upon ourselves to write down, and it was part of the children's ministry here, we wanted everybody to be involved in this because the core value we have is multi-generational. And so the children came in here and, and wrote down Bible verses, and then after the service was over, people came in and wrote down Bible verses. And, and as we did that, and part of my thinking upon doing that was Leadership changes and, and times change, but God's word remains the same. And as we have gone through this renovation, as we have seen different things happen, God continues to be God. He continues to be God. And we talk about this renovation, we talk about a renewed, a renewed uh, sanctuary and for a worship experience. But if the entire renewal is all about paint, pews, carpet, and, and new tech, and things like that. If that's all it is about, then we've completely missed it. Because God is a God who constantly is renewing us. God is a God who comes alongside us and says, I'm here with you. I want to walk with you through life. And as we allow him to walk with us through life, something happens. We get renewed. As a matter of fact, I heard this the other day, as a matter of fact, all the cells in your body are complete, you, you have new, saw, new, new cells every seven years. Now, it isn't like one morning you wake up seven years from now and you look completely different going, I don't know who that is. But our body is constantly in this renewal phase. It's constantly doing things, it's active, and it, and it continues to do that very thing. In Hebrews chapter 4, we're told that God's word is alive and active. That it has the ability to separate joint and marrow, soul and spirit. God's word does not stand still, does not stay stuck. God's word, which has been written over thousands and thousands of years, and it hasn't, nothing's been added to it since the final verse in, in Revelation chapter 22. That word that was said back then is still true today. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about not all the verses that were put on the ground, but we're going to be talking about five verses that you can see every single time that you come into this sanctuary. Four of them are on the walls. One of them is going to be put up on the wall this upcoming week. And it's the very first verse that we're going to talk about today. I invite you to turn your Bibles to Psalm 113. And as we go to Psalm 113, we read this one verse. It says this, from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of Yahweh is to be praised. Father, we pray now as we come into this time of looking at these different verses that are on the walls or on the beams here. It is our prayer, it is my prayer, that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes that we may see, open our ears that we may hear. Open our minds that we may understand and open our hearts 
that we would be a people, that we would be a people that is constantly renewed by you. Lord, we come to you so often throughout the week. We're weary, we're tired, we're thirsty, we're confused, we're discouraged. And there are other moments in our lives where we're excited, we're thrilled. We can't get enough because of all the great things that are going on in our lives. And whether it's really, really good or really, really bad, or really, really in between, we know this to be true, that your word speaks to us. And so we ask that as your word speaks to us this morning, that our hearts would be transformed. And that the only person receiving any glory whatsoever would be Jesus Christ. The foundation of this church. The foundation of your body. The body of believers. We love you. We thank you. And we pray now all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Psalm 113, 103, or verse 3, from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of Yahweh is to be praised. Another way to say what the psalmist is saying there is this, all day, every day. Growing up in Kansas City, the best convenience store that we had was called Quick Trip. Quick Trip was amazing. It was open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And what made Quick Trip great was that they, they embodied their name. They embodied making it a quick trip. You came in, and my buddies and I would always make these mixed. Uh, we'd take all the different sodas, and we'd, make, we'd do that conglomeration. And we'd come up, and we'd be ready to pay. And as we're getting ready to pay, the guy is already giving us a change. Going, how do they do that? Well, they'd done surveys and stuff like this and said, we know that people are probably going to pay this much money for this particular drink, and they're going to give us, they're going to give us a dollar bill or whatever. Have the change ready. You're in and out of there in no time. It was an impressive thing. But here's what's more impressive. God. God is far better than any quick trip. God is far better than any convenience store. God is the one who deserves to be praised every day, all day long. The psalmist understands that. The psalmist gets it. The psalmist lives this out. But yet, what ends up happening, as I was thinking about this today, and this verse, by the way, will be on this beam right above me. It'll be put up there this week. What strikes me is this, and the reason why I want that verse to be the first verse that people see when they come in these doors is because we don't simply come here to praise praise God only one day a week, but it is to remind us that we are to be praising God all the time in our lives. The psalmist did not compartmentalize, compartmentalize his life. You and I do that, unfortunately. Think about this. We awaken in the morning. We will eat some meals throughout the day. We'll get caught up on the news. If we have a favorite television show, we'll carve out time to see it or perhaps DVR it, and then we'll carve out time to make sure we can see it then. We'll run some errands throughout the day. We'll eventually go to bed, bed, and then what will end up happening is we wake up tomorrow and we pretty much repeat the same thing. And all throughout those activities, all throughout the, and they're, they're all meaningful activities. I hear that. But let me ask you this. Why is it so often that we think that the only time that we can worship God is when we gather here? The psalmist says, from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. 
from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. In the middle of you running errands tomorrow, in the middle of you preparing a meal or eating a meal, in the middle of of the time that you spend interacting with other people, do you take time to praise the Lord? Do you take time to remember that he is with us? Do you take time to remember that? For the psalmist, there was nothing, there was no getting around that. He understood that. He wanted to have that happen again and again and again. And perhaps you're sitting here thinking, well, the psalmist had it easier back then than we do. Really? There are 150 psalms. Approximately 143 of them are filled with nothing but a whole lot of ugliness. But in the midst of that ugliness, the psalmist turns to God. The psalmist experienced this. The psalmist had times when people wanted to kill him. The psalmist had times when they didn't know if they were going to have enough to eat. The psalmist had times, if you read Psalm 22, they were talking about the distress that their body was in, all the physical harm that, they, that was happening to them. The psalmist understands life fully. And in the middle of that, the psalmist says, from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. When we praise God, it's irregardless of our circumstances. He is worthy of our praise. And as we praise God and we lift him up, what ends up happening? Our focus shifts from what's going on here to being mindful of what's going on with him and how he carries us through. We desire this place when we gather together to offer up praise to God, but it doesn't stop here. It needs to extend outside these walls. And so the psalmist says that very thing. So when we're talking about being continuously renewed, it comes from praising God, and then we come to understand this, that to be continuously renewed, we need to realize that he is the one and only. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah chapter 45, looking at verse 22, says this, and it's on this beam right here. Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. The people in Isaiah's day had decided that they would turn to other gods. The people in Isaiah's day had been told and warned countless times, you need to worship the one true God. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, you are to, his name is to be praised. The people in Isaiah's time knew this. They had been told this repeatedly. Repeatedly. And yet every single time they turned around, they were pursuing after some other God. So as you read through the book of Isaiah, there, there comes this breaking point midway, about midway through Isaiah, where it goes from doom and warning to now, you need God, and he's here with you. It is a drastic shift. Why the shift? Because the people in Isaiah's day had not heeded the warning that there was only one God. The people in Isaiah's day had decided that they would pursue after other gods and that they would see how that goes for them. And the people in Isaiah's day 
went into captivity. And in the midst of that captivity, God says, turn to me and be saved. Turn to me and be saved. There is no other God out there that is like our God. The Lord had been faithful to the people over and over again. It was the Lord who brought them out of Egypt. It was the Lord who broke down the walls of Jericho. It was the Lord who took 300 300 soldiers, if you even want to call that, in Gideon's day, and wiped out the biggest army on the planet at that time. It was the Lord who raised up a leader by the name of David and with a slingshot took down Goliath. It was the Lord who moves in amazing ways. It was the Lord who sent down fire from heaven to show his power against all other gods. It was the Lord that did this again and again. He's far more powerful. He's far greater. He's far more creative. He's far more understanding. He's far more greater than any wannabe God out there. And yet, God's people said, we're not so sure about that. God had done everything for them. God has done everything for us. And yet we turn so often to the wannabe gods that this world offers. The wannabe gods of materialism. The wannabe gods of illicit sex. The wannabe gods of, of resentment. The wannabe gods that, that, that do so much harm to us. And perhaps you're here this morning and you've been pursuing after other gods and you are at the end of your rope thinking that you've gone so far away from God that there's no way he could ever want anything to do with you. But look what happens here. It says this, Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. There is no distance that you can go that's beyond God's reach. You can run as far as you want from God, yet you will find this. When that day comes and you all of a sudden realize, I can't go any further, can God reach me? God can reach you. And God says, turn to me and be saved. No matter how deep your depravity has taken you, no matter how many times you've pursued after other gods, no matter how many, no matter what damage you've done to your life through your through your ways, through no matter what damage I've done to my life through my ways, God says, "Turn to me and be saved." He wants to rescue you. There is no one out there like Him, and that's why He says, "I am God, and there is no other." There is no one else out there that will take care of you the way God does. And I ask you now to take a look at what's going on in your life. Have you been turning to other gods? Have you been expecting other people or other things to take care of you in ways that only God can? In the midst of that, God says, turn to me. Turn to me and be saved. That's the type of God we have. He's a God that continuously is pursuing us. He's a God that never gives up on us. He's a God that is there for us. Imagine 
what that feels like when you turn to God and experience his salvation. There's no, greater, there's no greater peace, there's no greater freedom, there's no greater love, there's no greater joy than the salvation that he provides. Continuously being renewed. Turning to the one and only God. And now I invite you to turn to the very last page of your Bible. Revelation chapter 22. And it's on this verse right up here on this beam. Revelation 22 verse 17 says this, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. And and let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. Hydration, realization. You will die in three or four days without any water. You can go for weeks without food, and perhaps I need to. But you can only go a few days without water. Our family lived in Scottsdale for 16 years, and in the summertime, it got hot. Many of you that know that we came from Scottsdale have talked to me about, well, how hot was it? It was a dry heat. Let me just say this again about dry heat. Crank your oven to 450, put your head in it, that's a dry heat as well. It was hot. And I love sports. And so I go to these sporting events. And there was one, my, he's my favorite vendor of all time. He would walk up and down the aisles and here was the way he sold bottled water. He said these words. Hydrate or die. <laughs> that was it. Cut straight to it. Hydrate or die. And you know what? Every single day, every single event that he was at, he always ran out of, he always had water to give, and he was always the busiest vendor out there. Hydrate or die. John, who wrote Revelation, also wrote the book, his gospel called John. And in John's gospel, he has this theme where he talks about water. And there's one particular event that happens in John chapter 4 where a woman who has a really, really bad past comes up to Jesus while he's sitting by a well. And she comes up to him in the middle of the day, and it's hot. And that was unusual for a person to show up to get water from this well in the middle of the day. Many people believe the reason why she showed up in the middle of the day was so that none of the other town folk could gossip about her. And so Jesus engages in conversation with her. And over the course of that conversation, Jesus says to her, in essence, you, and these are my, these are my words, he says, you've told me the truth, now I want you to go get your husband. And she says, but sir, I have no husband. And he responds and he says, you are correct. The fact is, you've had four husbands, and the man you're living with now is not your husband. She was pierced. She was pierced to the core. And Jesus then says, turn to me, and I will give you water. I will give you a living water. 
that will always satisfy you. Why is this important? Why is the order, the sequence of those events so important? So often we think that the only way that Jesus Christ will satisfy us is when we get our act together and then come to him. But read through the Gospels again and again and again and again, and you'll find this to be true. Jesus Christ takes you as you are, and he says, I'm going to give you water. I'm going to give you the hydration that you need. If you're here this morning thinking that you have to get your act together before Jesus Christ wants to have anything to do with you, hear me clearly on this. That's just not true. We proclaim this truth because it's a, look at this, come drink freely. It is a free gift. It is a free gift that he provides for us. And he provides it because he knows this, that we desperately need hydration. Are you thirsty today? Are you thirsty today? Turn to the one who will take care of your thirst. And then we move on. Because oftentimes we show up here on a Sunday morning and we're burdened and we're wondering if we can make it. And there's one verse that doesn't get looked at very often in this room and it's in our family room. This family room is provided for people that have young, young, young children that sometimes get like young children do. And it's also provided for people that, that frankly need a little quieter experience. And up on that wall... If you were to look through the glass, you'd read these words, and I invite you to turn to Matthew 11, because that's where we're going next. And in Matthew 11, listen to this. It says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. We get to stop and drop. We get to stop what we're doing. We get to drop our burdens and experience the rest that he wants to give us. So often we get wrapped up in our lives. We get wrapped up in such a way that we forget that God is there with us. And we get caught up in this race to prove ourselves. In the context of this verse, and this is what makes this verse so meaningful for all of us. Frankly, it's in the Bible, so it should be meaningful regardless. But here's the context. Jesus Christ was changing people's lives. The rulers were upset that they weren't getting the same type of response as Jesus Christ was. The rulers at that time, the the religious authorities at that time, kept burdening people again and again and again with more and more requirements. It's amazing what humanity does to God's plans. Back in Exodus chapter 20, God lays out ten commandments. By the time we come to Jesus' time in Matthew, humanity had had successfully taken those ten commandments and made it into 613. It was almost like a new rules coming up every single day so that you could fulfill this or you should, so you could fulfill that. There were 365 negative ones, 248, not, 248 positive ones. 613 commandments that people were constantly trying to figure out, am I doing this right or am I not doing this right? And Jesus Christ is changing people's lives and here's why. 
It's because when he came on the scene, all of a sudden he says, give me your burdens. You don't have to keep running this race anymore. You don't have to keep thinking that you don't measure up. You don't have to keep thinking that, that I'm not here for you. He says, turn to me. I'm the one that's going to give you living water. I'm the one that is the only one that can take care of you and provide salvation. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. If we were to take a survey and have people drop the, the, the surveys in a box back on the wall, and the question is this, are you burdened? I would venture to, I would venture to say, that more than 80% of the people in here right now are burdened. You're burdened. We're burdened. We don't know if we can keep going. And Christ invites us to come to him and give it up so that we can receive rest. Continual renewal happens when we come to him, when we come to him just the way we are, and we don't put up facades and we say, this is what's going on, Lord. Can you handle it? And he says, yeah, I can handle it. I'll give you the rest you need. I invite you this morning to turn to that one, to turn to that one who says, come to me. And I will give you rest. And then lastly, as we leave this sanctuary, there's one more verse, and it's on this back wall right underneath the, the, the stained glass of, of the shepherd. And every person that's, that, that I've talked to, and, and it says this, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. The first response that I've received from everybody who looks at that verse is this, that pops off the wall. Now, I wish I could take credit for the fact that I picked out the color of the verse. And if that were true, I could then join Sweetie's design firm, and we could go into a church renovation design business. Right, Sweetie? She wouldn't hire me if... It, there's no way she'd hire me. She's too good at what she does, and she can't carry me that long. This verse pops for a reason. It's because we gather here for a grand total of, if you come to spiritual formation classes at 9 a.m., we're done by noon. That's three hours out of 168 hours. If everything that you want to do for Jesus Christ is done in those three hours, then we've missed it. It's my desire that this verse that pops off the wall, pops into your life. My sheep listen to my voice. In the midst of all that's going on in our lives, it's incredibly important that we listen to his voice. And there are all types of voices out there that are grasping our attention and, and attempting to get our attention. And notice the next part of it. It says, I know them. That means that he knows what's going on in your life. And then he says this, and they follow me. They follow me. We have to follow the leader. The elder board and, and myself are not the leaders. Jesus Christ is the leader, and we follow him. 
if we're going to talk about continuous renewal, and that's what we're talking about this morning, it involves following him. As we follow him, what happens? We're continuously renewed. This renovation, this first phase of the Haggai project of the renovating our sanctuary has been fantastic. It's been pretty much almost flawless. We've had a few snags here and there. A lot of hard work went into all of this. But hear me clearly on this. If we come to this place in our lives where we say, we're done. God doesn't want to keep renewing us anymore. We've arrived. We're in a lot of trouble. It's my hope, it's my prayer that through these five verses that you find, whether it be in the family room or in this sanctuary, that when you look at them, you can be reminded that we're to praise him all day long. That he is the one and only. That he is the one that hydrates us and takes care of us. That he is the one to whom we can go and lay our burdens. And he is the one we follow. It's my prayer that that happens. So that we can be continuously renewed to keep on serving him. I invite you this morning to turn to that one, Jesus Christ. The ultimate leader and the one who will never fail. Father, we pray as we work through these verses. It's my prayer that your Holy Spirit has, has done and will continue to do the work through your word in our lives. Lord, we're burdened. We're weary. We listen to so many other voices. We often don't praise you outside of these walls. So, Father, I pray that you would continue the renewal process in our lives. And for those in this room that do not know you, I pray that today would be that day that they say, I'm going to listen to that voice. And I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. And for those of us that have been following you for a while, it's my prayer that we would tune into your voice, that we would know that, you're, that you will hydrate us, that we know that you will come through for us, and that you'll never let us down. May we drop our burdens at your feet and rest in you, the one true God. Lord, as we continue singing in a few moments here, it's my prayer that you would take these words that we sing and that it would be a sweet offering to you and that we would be motivated to rest in you and to experience your continuous renewal movement in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand now as we sing a couple more songs and reflect on what Jesus Christ has accomplished for us.